And I, and that's how you get to be a professional. And I love that about you. And I love that about Chris. Go ahead. Sorry. Yes. My dad, and it did not stop there. Uh, game days, we'd have five, six cheerleaders um, like spending the night at our house or like if we had a competition the next day. We're waking up. He's making homemade waffles with the eggs and the bacon, making sure that we all have our breakfast. Hey, y'all, Madison McMahon, Birmingham Stallions, and you're listening to Patriot Sports Radio. This is Patriot Sports Radio. Patriot Sports Radio. Fed up with the national talking heads and biases of mainstream sports media. If it's sports from the high school level to the pros, we're talking about it like the red-blooded Americans we are. God bless America. God bless America. God bless America. Let's do this. Here's Eric, John, Chris, and the coach. Welcome back, my friends. If you're new, then welcome in Patriot Sports Radio. My name is Eric. I am your host. It's a downright picturesque day here in the good land. Is this place a frozen hellscape from November to Memorial Day? Sure. However, June through October are so good they make up for it, mostly. But I digress. This is the part where I tell you who's here. Chris is to my right running things, which is the only reason you're even hearing this. John is present and accounted for, keeping his nearly perfect attendance record intact. Coach, of course, down in the Panhandle State. He's on summer break, and I bet he wants to talk about hockey. It's Father's Day weekend, so it stands to reason we would bring one of the dads in our rapidly growing Patriot Sports family on the show to talk sports parenting and parenting kids in sports makes sense you may remember western alabama usfl head cheerleader madison McMinn on the show back in march she talked a lot about her dad chris and how he's one of the main reasons she's become the accomplished young woman we see on the sidelines today not only does he have the necessary parenting experience but he's also living in the heart of sec country and there's always something to talk about down there because as they say it just pays more here <laughs> quick shout out before we get rolling our buddy Saul has a new band put together called Milwaukee Blues Rock Collective they'll be playing the Roadhouse in Dundee on July 3rd go check them out Saul of course the composer slash performer of our intro theme I've seen him perform live before actually at that bar and it's a great show blues guitar and hole in the wall bars go together like peanut butter and jelly okay we have a lot on the docket today I'm going to assume you're all doing well but I will take the time to greet our guest, Chris McMinn. How are you doing? Welcome to the show. Glad to have you, buddy. Man, thanks for having me. Are you ready to talk some football amongst other things? Uh, amongst other things, yes. Let's do it. <laughs> First, Coach, I know you want to talk hockey. So I put Stanley Cup final right at the top. Game one went to overtime. We said this would be a great series that goes six or seven games. We also said that if you're not a hockey fan yet, this Stanley Cup final would be the perfect entry point because you get this incredible series, at which point you're hooked. And then you get the entire offseason to learn about the NHL and practice saying all these Russian names. By the time the 23 season opens, you'll be an expert. Coach, you watched game one. I had to work the next day. I missed most of it. It was a, it was an all-timer, I heard. Oh, it was great. Uh, game one was one of the best... Um... Best hockey games I've ever seen. It, it was great. Uh, the the lightning came from from two down and, and tied the game. It went into overtime and uh, it ended up being a uh, ended up Avs ended up winning it in overtime with a pretty quick shot on, on on goal. I was talking to John about this yesterday. I mean, the Avalanche have really, really they're really onto something. They always are on offense and and the shots on goal. 
I mean, I look, I'm not by any means a seasoned hockey fan at all. In fact, I will readily admit that I got into this uh, by chance during the playoffs this year. And, and we spoke on the, on the show pretty extensively about how poorly marketed the NHL is. But, you know, I, we got into this uh, and, and really started watching the, the playoffs. And it's quality TV. I mean, these guys... Man, they get after it, and and the Avalanche, um, you know, seem to always be on offense. Like I said, me and John were discussing this, and it's it's the shots on goal are 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 one sided. The Avalanche have have figured out how to play m- most of the game on their side of the ice. So uh, it's I, I don't know. It's gonna it's gonna be a great series. I'm excited. Um, definitely inci- excited about seeing uh, seeing it, and watching it. Yep. The thing that's great and the thing I always explain to everybody, you know, regular season hockey, I don't sit down and watch a whole lot of games, but playoff hockey is just one matchup that's just a one big fire drill. And when you get into overtime, then it amps up the tension even more. And you don't even have to like hockey. If you like sports, just the speed and the pace of the play is at a different level. And you talk to anybody who watches hockey and playoff hockey, is is like in any other sport, whether it's uh, you know one hole like golf playoff or whatever it is. There's just added tension in every every shot, everything. And the thing that I like about these two these two teams is one is a defending defending champ. It's two time champ that um, basically willed their way into the final again. And then you basically have the presumptive best team in the Avalanche. So it's kind of like you know this. Uh, what's the phrase, the immovable object, and then uh, whatever that is on the force, unstoppable force and an immovable object. And the personalities are great too. So you throw in fighting, um, it just makes for just just a, a great evening of entertainment. Avalanche outshot them 38 to 23, but the hits were almost dead even, 43 to 40 in favor of Colorado. Tampa won 36 face-offs to Colorado's 24. I mean, they're... They're evenly matched. They're both good at different things. The thing that I find so entertaining about it is at the drop of a hat, one team can get a massive advantage. Like you'll see the, the penalty minutes. And I've seen this happen a couple times. You know, a guy will be tired and he'll he'll fling the puck up the side and it'll go out of bounds. Basically, he has to sit out for the next two minutes. And I'm, I'm speaking in layman terms for people who don't watch hockey. What that means is the other team is just going to be peppering the goalie because the other team's a man down. It's so awesome to watch because even if you uh, are the team that's on defense, it's just added tension and all the pressure's on your goalie and everybody's just taking knuckle pucks, slap shots right at the guy for two straight minutes. It's awesome. Well, and and and. And again, you know what? Like we talked about for that for the just a guy on the couch like myself that's watching it. You know the Abs have got it figured out. Uh, they 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 really are always on offense, and 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 I think they've led the shots on goal the entire uh, postseason. I mean, all every team that they've played in, it's been uh, drastically one sided. And and for for our new guest here, Chris. I mean, I'll tell you, I just came back from South Florida. I was pretty excited about uh, there was a lot of Lightning fans down there, and and, and Florida is not a, a hockey hockey place. But uh, you know, I'm on Tampa Bay, and, and obviously John is on the Abs on this. Um, as far as uh, how we think it'll go, or how we're we're hoping it will go, um, and, and we're even on the we're even on the whiteboard on this. So uh, 
pretty interesting stuff. It's pretty cool to see hockey fans that normally in areas aren't hockey fans, you know, representing the sport and something they've, they've got something going on between that and, you know, like areas like Las Vegas with the expansion, even, you know, the Seattle crack. And I understand have, have, have pretty good attendance. And, and, and I saw earlier this week, we mentioned it on the show that the NHL has had record revenue this year, which is, which is good for the sport. They just are terribly marketed. I mean, these guys are great athletes, and I would I would just love to see it marketed a lot better. And that's my soapbox I get on often. But it's a great series, man. Uh, you watch any hockey, Chris? Yeah, uh, very very little. Um, I mean, is I would like to really get into it more uh, because what I've watched has been some exciting stuff. Like I said, you know, the regular season, you know, not so much. But when you get into playoff time, it, it kind of flips a switch, and it's uh, it's a lot lot more exciting. I bet if the SEC had hockey, you'd watch it, wouldn't you? <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. <laughs> if the SEC had hockey, they'd be the top three programs. Oh, yeah, no doubt. No doubt. <laughs> I couldn't help it. That was easy. Do you remember after game five of the Rangers Lightning series, we had that video emerge of the scumbag fan who sucker punched the guy walking behind him? Um, Lightning CEO Steve Griggs reached out to him shortly after in a text to check his status. It was really cool. Um, basically asking him if he's all right, if there's anything he could do. Turns out this guy's a lifelong Tampa Bay Lightning fan, which how many of those can there possibly be? But he's telling Griggs about how he rolled the, rode the Zamboni when he was a kid and all this. So I don't know. He got a bunch of playoff gear and hopefully not too much CTE. And now he's good. If you if you get to ride the Zamboni, that is the equivalent of pretty much getting a key to the city somewhere. If you get to ride the Zamboni somewhere, that is that is a that is a high that is a high achievement that not many people have on a resume as a and youth, it, especially. I mean, I, I, youth hell. I mean, if you're a grown man and you have riding a Zamboni, I'm telling you, you're up there, man. That's impressive. I. I thought about uh, actually purchasing a Zamboni just to drive around my neighborhood. I don't, I know, I don't know what I'd do with that, but I think it'd be a really cool to have a cold one and drive around my neighborhood on a Zamboni. What's not cool about that? I can't think of one thing. I can't <laughs> think of one thing. You start, start blaring. I am a real American. Maybe you have a flag hanging off the back. <laughs> Dead gum right. I mean, now we're talking picking up all the leaves i'm not sure what you would accomplish with a zamboni other than looking cool but there's got to be some kind of practical use what isn't practical is how the nhl won't clarify injuries they reviewed it and they decided they're still not going to do it this shit is egregious ridiculous preposterous unwarranted un-american unnecessary and unacceptable i'm trying to bet on these games (laughs) i love it i'm not gonna lie i think it's great upper body lower body yep don't ask like so quit asking Yep. I need more. <laughs> in the in the immortal words of Nick Saban, so quit asking. So quit asking. <laughs> <laughs> not doing it. Not going to do it. So quit asking. That pretty much goes with the hockey mentality, doesn't it? Of, hey, it doesn't matter. Rub some dirt on it and let's go. Yeah, a cracked rib and a sore shoulder. Uh, they're the same thing. They're both upper body injuries. But now with legal betting, I mean, do we really think DraftKings or Caesars or MGM doesn't know exactly what these injuries are? It's not a level playing. They, they honestly might not. And I love that hockey isn't kowtowing to DraftKings. We're not changing it. Shut up. As much as I, I'm for gambling, it is nice to see one of the leagues not bend over backwards to accommodate all these uh, gambling sites. 
Well, and that, I mean, so take that, Eric. Exactly. I, I, am. I mean, I didn't expect to take it. That's a marketing <laughs> standpoint right there in itself that the that the NHL should capitalize on. I mean, there should be a a, a publicly marketed deal that says, "Hey, we're we really don't give a damn. We're playing. We're we're going to go and and we'll put some ice on it, and everything's good." And and that should be something that they, you know, I mean, there's so many great things about the sport they just fail to capitalize on. I don't understand it. But. Maybe we can find some kind of middle ground where you let me bet on what the injury ends up being. Like, you know, he leaves with a shoulder plus 600. There is a little bit of, it's the only sport that fights. So if you know somebody's got a meniscus versus a calf versus uh, an Damn ankle it, or, or, a, or that, you can't tell me that that doesn't come into play when you how, drop the gloves. How dare you bring well, logic into this argument? You're changing my mind, you <laughs> son of a bitch. You just take a helicopter stick right to the knee. Yeah. I came in here with an opinion, and you're not yeah. allowing me to stick to it very well. I can appreciate it. I can appreciate that. That's a, There's a little bit of something to that. I also saw yesterday. Did you see this? Did you hear about this? The uh, Stanley Cup won't go to Russia or Belarus, I assume, because they think it won't come back. Those fuckers still have Bob Kraft's Super Bowl ring, I believe. So they can't be trusted with trophies. I don't remember, John, do they still have the Super Bowl ring or did that come back? I have no idea. We still have a women's basketball player stuck over there. I would say bring (laughs) Brittany Griner back and then maybe we'll talk about the trophy. She's an American. We need to bring back the American. (laughs) Never mind. Never mind she got trafficked with drugs. It's all good. Okay. Well, I mean, well, it it was it was pot. <laughs> At the I end mean, of the day, let's let's bring back the American. Respect Russia. the rules. <laughs> In Russia, pen vape you probably. Right. I mean, <laughs> re- respect the rules. They have rules there for a reason. Follow them. Exactly. Yeah. You know, he I said mean, about Russia. <laughs> you've seen, th- yeah, you've seen every movie I mean, with Russians in it. It's always I, winter. I'm not They're going over pissed. there, so it doesn't matter. But when you go over there to make money, you probably want to go by what they say. That's what I would do. Just a thought. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of making money, uh, SEC, things are heating up down there. First thing I have to ask you, Chris McMinn. October 8th, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. The Aggies are coming to town. Personally, I'm probably betting an alternate line of Bama minus 49 and a half. How bad is that going to be? Is Saban going to take this opportunity to make an example? Oh, he will. Uh, But the thing is, it's not really about Nick. That team uh, is pretty fired up. He's not got to say a word. Uh, The Aggies will get drugged that night. It'll be be epic. (laughs) That's a night game too, right? Oh, it's a night game in Tuscaloosa, and it, it's uh, <clears throat> and I, I don't even know if they've even settled on the starting quarterback. Uh, they've got some issues. They've got. I, I mean, it, it's going to be bad. Coach, you look real excited about this game. I, I am not. I'm not really excited about this game. I think that. Uh, I think he's right. I think Alabama, a night game in Tuscaloosa, a night game in a, any SEC school is a recipe for disaster. If you. Uh, know anything about that people will be marinated up all day and it will be a live atmosphere to the 10th power so we're not talking the regular oh say uh you know a&m on a saturday afternoon against mizzou that's not the same atmosphere that we'll see in tuscaloosa it will be ridiculously one-sided and and i i i think that the in the sec it's best not 
to uh, taunt taunt anyone, um, especially Saban or or Alabama. Why why on earth would would you give them any motivation or any um, any added added incentive to come kick your tail? Because normally you're hoping that you catch them sleeping on the backside of something else. I mean they. They they do one thing pretty well down there, and that's win. And I will say that. Um, and and they're not the only school in the SEC that does it, which is what makes it a, a great conference. I mean, there's 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 powerhouses around every corner. There's no there's not many pillow fights there. So uh, no, I I'm not excited about it. I think that that A and M will get get drove in that game pretty hard. I think that Jimbo messed up. I think he spoke a little bit out of turn, and I'm, and that's not. Me being a Alabama fan in any way, shape, or form, I mean, I just just think that that was a, a very uh, very misstep on his part. Now they say everything's fine. Jimbo was at, I think it was the SEC spring meetings, and any question he got about Saban, <laughs> look at Chris. No. Uh, any fine. question he got about Saban, he said, "Oh no, we're moving on. We're past that. We're moving on." But uh, I, I don't, I don't think so. You don't believe it either, do you, Chris? No, they have Alabama's complete and undivided attention. <laughs> it's week one, is it not? Week one? October 8th is probably... No. No, I'm, I've got four. their schedule. No, we... Tell me, the, tell me what their schedule's like. Alabama plays Utah State, then Texas, then UL Monroe, then Vanderbilt, then Arkansas, then A&M on October 8th. Now, Arkansas game, you better look out. Arkansas is, is going to be pretty stout. And if we overlook Arkansas waiting for Texas A&M, that could be a problem. Well, that that is exactly what I was going to say, is I get on the front side or the back side of that game because there's mm-hmm. going to be a target on that game. Yes. And and, mm-hmm. and the front the front side or back side will definitely be – it's 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 similar to an OU Texas letdown. Uh, that's the, yeah. the best um, – the best hidden secret here in Oklahoma is get on the get on the Sooners the week after OU Texas, whoever it is, um, mm-hmm. because th- there's always a little letdown there. And, and he's right, Arkansas is a team that's coming. Uh, I say magically after four years of playing turnstile coaches, ended up with a guy that's pretty salty there, and they have built mm-hmm. a squad there that really is pretty. And I like that guy, man. He is a good dude. <laughs> he's a good guy to listen to. A&M better hope they win that game because the yeah. last thing you want is is Bama losing the week before they they play. Oh no, that's even worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, you don't, you don't want to catch them on the on a loss. But you know the the Arkansas. You know, not to change directions here, but Arkansas is a hidden gem in itself. Fayetteville's a cool place, man. That's a beautiful mm-hmm. campus. You know, I, I I'm excited about football season in general especially the SEC, how Texas got on Alabama's schedule, I don't know. And I will probably be unloading on on Alabama because they will want to make a statement in that game too. And Texas is the same Texas every year. You guys know know me well on this show. I, I will tell you they will come in highly, highly rated, highly touted, and they will be deflated by week three and be searching probably for – answers in something to do with their coaching staff and that is classic texas every year and and i don't know who who it is they're giving money to that that touts them every year but it's the same texas every year but how they ended up on alabama's schedule and that's beautiful um is that is that by chance at jerry world did i miss that did 
or is I, I it? I thought it was a. It's a. It's on campus, I believe. I believe okay. it because uh, okay. they have the return visit to Tuscaloosa next year. Okay, even better, even better. <laughs> but it's eleven o'clock. I mean, this this Big Twelve thing we're playing at eleven o'clock. It's killing the game day experience. I I don't know why yeah. that, that's a thing out there, well, but. It, I mean, let's be honest, you're 100% right, but you can thank your SEC for that because they want the SEC teams in prime time, and so we can't ever get a prime time game. We get usually one or two a week. They pick one or two a week, and that's what it is. That's that. I don't know that that's a – and it's terrible. It's garbage. They, they The 11 o'clock kickoff should be banned. It sh- they should do away with it unless you're a, a non-Power 5 conference. If you're a non-Power 5 conference – Feed the Toledo uh, Rockets all the 11 a.m. Saturday mornings you want. No, I need them on Tuesday night. Well, and that's fine, too. The Mac schools, let the Mm -hmm. Mac schools have that. But, yeah, it irritates the crap out of me. The 11 a.m. kickoff is ridiculous, and I don't know why. I know why the the, the NCAA does it, because it's a TV thing, and they want to get the max exposure for everybody they can, but the Big 12 is in love with the 11 o'clock deal, and I don't think it's because they want to be. I think it's because they're forced to be, and they usually get one primetime game on ABC uh, or or one of the prime networks. They get one 7 o'clock game, but that's how it goes, um, and it, and it's terrible. But this year, this year, I think it was a Texas decision. Uh, you're playing Alabama. You're you're. I mean, you can you could pick any slots you wanted to this year. That is true. I mean, for for that game, you could have. I mean, everybody in the country is going to be watching that football game. So why they were so dead set on, on sticking in eleven? I, I just don't. You had the opportunity to move it this year and get as many eyeballs as you wanted. Sure, I would guess that's that a very Bijan Texas Robinson, thing to do, though. I would guess Bijan Robinson has an appearance at the Lamborghini dealership at four. That's probably that, why. Yeah. My guess is you don't want to get embarrassed in front of a national audience at, at, at prime time. <laughs> that would be my guess. I was just going to say, I, 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 I bet you they're looking for every little advantage that they can find. If, if, if 11 o'clock start and Bama's not used to that and they think that they could get a sliver of, a, of, of an advantage, then they're taking it. I can understand that. Well, I could sit here and talk about SEC football all day, but it says right here, this is only topic five of like 16. And <laughs> I want to ask Chris McMahon about being a USFL cheer dad. We see you on the sidelines. You're at, you're at every game, I'm pretty sure. Tell us about how that's been, what the fan experience is like, and uh, how it's been for Madison. It's pretty cool, man. To get this USFL thing started back off, you know, that, that league started when I was probably 12 years old and uh it's cool for it to come back around and uh i think they got a lot of good backing for it but uh you know, stadiums haven't been very very full the birmingham games of course have been um but the atmosphere uh and the on tv part has been really really good um so they've done a very good job with it uh and madison's having a blast man today you know i've already got my my birmingham shirt on ready to go we got a game this afternoon uh, the last regular season games, and she she's really bummed out about it. She's really had a great time with it. Um, she's flying up to Canton the next two weekends for the playoffs and for the championship game. So uh, she's really stoked about that. But it's been a really really good experience. Yeah, that's awesome. It seems like the USFL really from the start has been putting a lot of effort towards making the fan experience uh, a positive mm-hmm. one. And I think if they spread these teams out to their respective cities a little bit. You'll see some attendance, maybe get playing 10 or 20,000, you know, seat stadiums, fill them up. Yeah. I'd rather that's a lot better than a 50,000 seat place 
Yes. For this, yes, that, that's that's exactly what they need to do. You know, give it a couple years to get the local following, get some rivalries built up, and and we might have mm-hmm. something here. Absolutely. There's Absolutely. some good players. Oh, uh, yeah, there's some great players. So I personally would be asking these people at the stadium for unprecedented access to locker rooms and players, et cetera. Have you uh, done any of that, gotten in to explore the stadium a little bit? Uh, a little bit, not very much. Uh, I mean, just the way things are nowadays, you you know, they section things off pretty good. So, uh, you know, I get a little bit of behind the scenes from, from Madison about things going on, how it works, and she's got to see some things that, a lot of people don't get to see, and it's it's been pretty cool to hear from her how things kind of actually work. Um, but actually getting to see it, it would be cool to see it, uh, no doubt. If I had a chance to, I would definitely take it. Yeah, I suppose it's no fun anymore in this world. You can't just walk <laughs> behind barriers and you get can't. away with it no more. <laughs> we actually, I just talked to Madison what a week or two ago. She made a she made a little promo ad for us. She's she's such a oh. such a cool kid. Um, Let's turn it back to when she was a kid and got into cheer. When did that start? And when we talked to her, it sounded like you were right there the whole time. So you were driving, driving her to every practice, and you were in her ear telling her to get better, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Me, me and my wife, every step of the way, uh, I mean, when you have kids, man, it, it becomes about them. And, and when it's important to them, it becomes important to you. And the biggest thing is just being there, just showing up. That that's you know, as far as being a dad, man, is just hey, just just showing up most of the time. I when is this stuff got started? I had no clue about <laughs> anything with cheer, softball, this whole girl world. But you know, it was important, so I got in there and I learned. And um, following her sister uh, Ashley and her around, and they probably got started, I guess, when they're about four years old, and. Uh, through Little League, all the way through high school at uh, at West Blockton, four-year cheerleaders at West Alabama, and then Madison had the opportunity to uh, to do this, and it's been a really cool ride. And that keeps them on track academically, too, having that structure and that practice. It does. And those cohorts who are also doing well in school and all that. It does, having that friend group. Uh, when they got to high school, uh, the high school cheer coach, uh, Tiffany Dodd, really inspired these girls her and um emily ellis was her assistant and they really inspired these girls and uh, competing in the classroom everything to the point where my oldest daughter ashley uh actually became a a english teacher and a cheer coach and this year she's coming back and has accepted a job at her at our alma mater at west blockton to take tiffany's spot as the English teacher and take over the cheer program. So it, she's come full circle. Oh, no big deal. No Just big every accomplishment no you big can deal. check off. <laughs> she actually has. Yeah. <laughs> so there's awesome. days where they come home and they tell you the opposite. Like there's not a bunch of accomplishments. There's some disappointments. Maybe some of these catty girls said some mean shit to them. You know, how do you, how do you build the confidence back up? You know, I have a daughter too, and it's it's hard to navigate sometimes when they're upset what the right thing to say is. It It, it is difficult. Um, luckily, I had, uh, you know, mom, you know, was there for a, a, a lot of that. But, uh, you know, these girls are tough. And they have parents that grew up in the 80s, man. We're Gen Xers. So, you know, they, they put their heads down and they just stayed after it. I mean, both of them, uh, the first year they tried out, for cheerleading, both of them got cut. They did not make the team. Um, but they they learned how to to persevere, stay at it. They learned what they had to do to get better. 
and they did it. And then the second year, they they made the high school squad, and it just you know progressed into into college, and and now Madison with USFL. But they um, they never let anything get them down. They 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 are a lot like a lot like their mom. They she. But she she gets after it. She does nothing. Nothing holds her back. She they're they're like she is. I love it. This guy's smart. He gave mom all the necessary credit. That's a good move. That's a veteran hey, move the, right there. Oh, the the best part of that story is is that you said the first year that both of them tried out that neither one of them made the team. They got cut. That is phenomenal. And they both ended up being four year uh, cheerleaders in college. They. Yeah, they, they didn't like I said that that's what they wanted to do, and they found out on on failure what they had to do. Hey, th- if I want to get there, this is what I need to do to get there, and they did it. I I want to bang that drum really hard. So they didn't come home that day. I'm sure that was a tough day in your house. It was upsetting. They didn't come <laughs> home that day and say I want to transfer schools, or or no. maybe they did, or they want to to go no. whatever. But what came out of that day was get better, get better. And that's the drum that I beat a lot around around my house in this day and age in this time, because it seems like the answer to to a lot of problems uh, when that happen like that are, hey, well, we'll just go across town or we'll go to a different school. I mean, we one of the biggest news stories in Oklahoma right now is a is a young man who um, was a was a starter and, and and at a high school in the Tulsa area and transferred across town to start for the other uh, biggest rival. Um, mm-hmm. But th- that's that just seems to be the way, you know, uh, uh, of whenever somebody meets some failure, instead of, you know, getting better and doing what they're supposed to do, the, the they take a different road. And and so I just yeah. think that's so cool on your part. And, and as a parent, that's something that is amazing to me that both of them actually – you know, were able to, to, to overcome and did they, they, that's, that's mm-hmm. the ultimate success as a parent. When you see two your kid fail and they go and get better. Right. Absolutely. Right. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. We've, uh, like I said, their whole life, we've kept them busy, kept them doing things. Uh, Madison, uh, she played travel ball, softball, high school softball on top of the cheerleading. Um, so we kept them busy, kept them competitive, man. They, they know what it's like to, to fall down and get back up, dust yourself off and keep going. So I bet it's nice to hear the vacuum shut off out of your wallet too, when you're doing those things, taking those, (laughs) uh, kids all over, man, because I've been there. I got four of them myself and it's, it's, it is literally a a great day when you can hear the vacuum toned down a little bit out of your wallet when the money keeps getting sucked out for for this or that you guys chris knows what i'm talking about (laughs) uh, yeah maybe a little bit man but i've got daughters i don't think that's ever going to shut off no that (laughs) is true that is true sir that is true no sir it won't i saw saw another kid on tv uh yesterday who was raised right a nationals fan looked like he's about seven years old made a great over the head catch and as he brought it back up around just flawless execution he caught he caught this foul ball at the nationals game and Chris, if you can find the video of it, it was, it was really impressive. And then I went down this rabbit hole of <laughs> fans catching foul balls on Twitter. And there's a lot of crazy stuff when you search fan catches foul ball on, on a Twitter. They don't all catch it with their hands. A lot of boobs, a lot of faces catching baseballs. Um, <laughs> even if you go national specific, I don't know if it's that <laughs> fan base or what. 
this kid's going to be in the league. This is going to be one of those like uh, Tiger Woods videos or something where they say, remember when the MVP was just a kid in the stands? He's, he's going to be in, in the league. I'm, I'm calling this right now. They just uh, rolled all the footage of Steph Curry back when Del Curry was playing, and that's, that's pretty awesome to look back yeah. at. Yeah, you love that stuff as a sports fan. But as a 40-year-old sports fan, that also makes me feel old. When I see Patrick Sertain the second out there. Or Gary Payton Jr. <sighs> yeah. And then you see Gary Payton with the white with the white beard and like, oh man, the glove. Yeah, that was my favorite player. Oh yeah. So that's a that was that was a tough one to swallow. And I'm not even old. It's just like, wow. Maybe <laughs> Big I big Gary Payton fan, Chris? Uh no, uh I was thinking, I was trying not to go through my mind. I, I the thing that I think about the most when y'all talk about that is uh probably King Griffey Jr. Yeah. King Griffey. Yeah, that was an all-time – they hit back-to-back home runs, did they yes. not? In one of yes. the great moments in all of sports. Yeah, that had been cool playing with your dad. One of the best folklore dad sayings is Ken Griffey Jr. supposedly used to just walk around the house and then hit stuff with a bat. And uh, his mom was like talking to the dad and said, you got you to gotta put an end to that. And he goes, why? It's such a beautiful swing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a dad co- quote right there. Another quick shout out to Bob Allison, who attended his 3,150th Orioles game of his career yesterday. When you go to thousands of games, it's a career. I don't care what you say. Uh, Chris, coach, we might have to get this guy on the show uh, to talk Orioles baseball. I can't think of a, a better official person to do, to have that conversation with. Any, any way we can work in Orioles baseball, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> it's become our fa- it's become our collectively our favorite team i know john agrees well we're definitely <laughs> moving on from the cubs because they're embarrassing uh well wait a minute wait just a damn minute here hang on uh, let's not let's not get carried away because let me just uh let me just bang the drum of the cubs yesterday uh, a 14 what was a 14 game winning streak riding high Braves came in and the Cubs on a 10 game losing streak. And what happened there? Talk about the unstoppable, the, uh, unstoppable force, force, the force and the immovable object. No, I would Dad say statistical, statistical probabilities kicked in. <laughs> they're still a terrible team. I mean, they're losing by 10 plus runs. I can't do it. I can't listen, do it. Listen, Linda, the rebuilding process is a process. Trust the process, man. Everybody wants to be a part of the result. No one wants to be a part of the daggum process. Get on board like a good Cubs fan, sir. <laughs> How dare you? Life is short, and I can't watch these Cubs. Listen, I'll, listen. I'll this is else. definitely a generational thing rearing its ugly head here. Goddamn I'm, I'm millennials. All, I am booked in here and, and locked in for the long haul. I am not wanting some instant gratification. Next thing you know, the money's missing off the dresser. I'm telling you right now, it's going to happen. Just relax. Be patient, sir. We just listened to Chris tell the story. The girls got cut their first time. Now, they got now cut. they're four-year college cheerleaders. There's a process. Chris will tell it's you. A process. That didn't happen overnight. There was we're not a winning it overnight. We can't Rick, win it every year unless you're Belichick, but we're working on it. We're working on it. <laughs> Listen hey, to this. You're, Chris, you're acting like I'm one of the Cubs. <laughs> I'm not one of the Cubs. <laughs> I'm a fan. <laughs> Don't you love that when you're like uh, just talking to a random person at work or something and they start yelling? Like they get so worked up. It's like, why are you yelling at me? Like I am this person you're talking about. 
Christian Yelich is good again. The slump is over. He hit two dingers on the last road trip, and he's got nine, a nine or a ten game hitting streak going. Craig Council's just passed uh, Garner for most managerial wins, 564 wins for Craig Council. I remember when he took over, it doesn't feel like 564 wins ago or even games ago. Remember Ned Yost? Then he went down to KC and won a World Series with Lorenzo Cain, Elcidas Escobar, a couple other pieces of that Brewers team. That was fun. I couldn't decide if I was enjoying that or if I just felt like I was watching, you know, my girlfriend engage in sexual intercourse with a stranger right in front of me. But I that know I didn't celebrate quickly. when they won. Uh, remember Ken Maka? Oh, those were rough. The Ken Maka days. So I appreciate Craig. I hope he stays for another 564. <sighs> Yelich is hitting the ball again. Let's give yep. the Brewers fans their two minutes. Yep. Great. Yep. And, and more good news. The Cardinals on Tuesday were one strike away from a no hitter. And the best thing about this is it should have been caught. Um, <laughs> Mike, yeah, it should have. Mike Michaelis, bless his heart. He took the pirates all the way to a two, two count bottom of the ninth, two out. He tried to put one low and away, maybe to get him to chase or, you know, live to f- see another pitch and uh legendary slugger, uh, Cam Mitchell, Cal Mitchell. Yeah. Cal Mitchell, old Cal Mitchell. He went down and got it. Ground rule double bounced over the wall. Good night. And the center fielder should have taken a better line on that ball and caught it. That's what made me laugh the hardest when I saw it. John, we can bond over this, right? The Cardinals suck. Forget the Cardinals, man. The The weird thing to me is that that would, would have been their first no hitter in 20 years. Out of 21. all of the good Cardinals teams, they haven't had a single guy throw a no-hitter, and that's shocking to me. Also in other Cardinals news, shocking Cardinals news, Yadier Molina is going to go on the IL. I thought that guy was indestructible, but apparently Father Time is coming in and uh, wreaking havoc on Yadier Molina. As much as I hate the Cardinals, you got to respect what Yadier Molina is doing. I mean, how many hours of his life has he sat crouched down on his knees? I was wondering how you were going to phrase that and if you were going to find a way to make it not sound bad and uh, eh, maybe, maybe kind of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Carpenter never threw a no-hitter. Mm-hmm. Like these unbelievable Jeff Supon, World Series MVP and complete scam artist who stole $36 million from the Brewers, <laughs> never threw a no-hitter. That's insane. They turn out, you know, great pitchers like Alabama turns out running backs. Well, had this, they had the same nine for like 10 years. I mean, not really, but it just seems like it because that's the Cardinals' way. They had the same old people every year that just would show up, and you'd be like, God, is this guy ever going to retire? Molina's like that. Oh, I mean, I, I can't wait for his retirement day. And he's, he's amazing, but he's a, he's a notorious cub killer. Yeah. He's a notorious many people killer. He's going to be a hell of a manager someday. There were some Brewer killers on the Cubs who I did. Derek Lee always got us. Alfonso Soriano and his oversized bat. Oh, I hated that guy so much. I didn't like him much either. Yeah, (laughs) me either. I was glad to see him go. I'll tell you, both of those guys, D. Lee. I I sat next to a guy watching the Cubs and Rangers, and he said, earn your money 462 times during that game. And I had to agree with him when I left because that was back when the NL Central was stacked with first basemen. You had 
he had Prince Pujols, Fielder. Prince Fielder, and Derek Lee. And one year, Derek Lee beat out Pujols for the first base All Star game, and it was a little bit of a crime, but <laughs> it was still hilarious. I I miss Prince Fielder. God, that guy have he was an athlete. He might be my all time favorite Brewer. Oh, he was amazing. He had the Chris Farley quality where he was a hefty guy, but somehow very flexible and athletic. Well, yeah. and was in the ESPN body issue, and he's a he's a freak of an athlete. I'm not yeah. kidding you. He he really was. I'm not. I I say that no joke. He really has a pretty impressive physique for a, for a for a rotund man. <laughs> he made some incredible plays, some diving and jumping grabs on first base that were just unbelievable. But I remember when him, Ricky Weeks, and Braun were all sort of coming up through the minor league system, and we were all up here really excited, like, oh, oh, it's Cecil Fielder's kid. Holy shit, this is going to be amazing. And he came up here and, and absolutely lived up to it, smacking 15 home runs, bouncing them off the scoreboard. Those were the days. Ricky Weeks was even good for five minutes there. <laughs> With him and Braun. So that was a nice little run. Uh, what's your what's your temperature, Eric, on those uniforms they got? The Brew Crew uh, uniforms. Oh, Brew boy. City or whatever they are. I don't like the light blue. They say the stripe on the side is supposed on the sleeves is supposed to represent a beer with with foam. And I it's it's very try hard. I don't like the light blue. I don't like how they forced the 414 into the MKE on the hat. I like the grill logo, the baseball that's actually a smoking grill. Love that. I'd get a hat with that on it. Everything else, not a fan. Let's talk about the Red Sox and your fandom a little bit. You are not some kind of bandwagon Red Sox fan. You've got a hat with a B on it that's older than both of your daughters. Yeah, the hat's almost white now. It's it's yeah, it's it's old. Like I said, I, we me and my brother just we chose a team. We we don't live around anything any any uh pro sports right here in, in middle alabama so we just we we gravitated toward the red Sox when we were you know probably six seven eight years old and we've been red Sox fans ever since have you been up there or are you making plans to get up to fenway see the green monster making plans uh hopefully you know next couple of years we'll be able to just make a road trip up there and and, and catch a game yeah, you guys are going to get up here. Also, you said to catch mm-hmm. uh, to catch a Badgers game. You're impressed by Camp Randall and what's going on there, huh? Oh, we got to do jump around, man. My wife is locked and loaded. She's ready to go. Alabama travels up there in a couple of years, so we're coming, and uh, we got to do jump around the fourth quarter. Yeah, we'll have to get you guys in studio to talk to us. Absolutely, that's amazing experience. That's one that uh that that I really enjoyed. I came up there and 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 attended a game at Camp Randall. It was unique. I, I really did enjoy that. Coming from an SEC background like yourself, you'll appreciate that. It was a it, and and they were uh they were playing some no name. I think it was Western Kentucky. But uh they were beating beating them like a drum. It was still a great experience. Yeah, we can't wait. It's uh like I say we just we can't wait to make since that game came out, uh since they made that on the schedule, she said, Oh we're we're going. I said, Yes ma'am, we're going. We're we're uh, we're anxious to go, so maybe get with you guys and see the best place to stay, best place to eat, uh, hang out for a couple of days up there, and, and kind of stay in the area for a little while. But uh, we can't wait to get up there. Chris is saying the best place to stay and eat is right here. I can't really argue. <laughs> I have had the waffles at this place and the chicken, and it's amazing. So I'm, I'm, you know, there's I'm, some stir fry going on. You never know what's going on up there. There's banana bread, various breads. 
All right. We will ask Chris what it's like to have a wife who is as big of a sports fan as you, because not everybody has that dynamic in the house. You guys sit there and watch every game together? Oh, we do. We, uh, that, when Alabama's on, we're locked and loaded. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. I got a question uh, real quick while we're while we're talking uh, a little fanship deal. Uh, you know, living down there and, and uh, having uh, the governor and everybody that represents Alabama being Saban, when is uh, – when is – what is his replacement? What is the heir to the throne down there? I was supposed to ask this for Chris. We talked earlier, and and this was who's who's going to be in charge of the reins after uh after Saban leaves? They've got a guy in waiting, or what? I really don't. I, it's probably going to be a situation where he names somebody, uh, and who that is at right now, no <laughs> clue. Um, it, for a long time we thought it would be Dabo, uh, but I think that ship has sailed. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, he's established a little something over there. Will definitely be interesting. How many years do you think he has left? Because he's getting old, right? Yeah, he's what seventy now. So I think he's just seventy. Uh, I think maybe seventy-one this year. You know, I, I honestly, uh, the way him and Miss Terry talk, his wife, I, I don't think he he sees himself doing anything but coaching. So uh, he probably will stay there till he just can't physically move anymore. Yeah, she, he'll be there. He'll be there one day after she tells him he's not going to be there anymore. I'll tell you that much. He strikes me as a very Bobby Bowden type guy that just just takes it forever and and tries to set the bar high. Bowden was similar similar in a lot of ways to Saban, especially through through the era there where Florida State had built themselves into being a juggernaut, and they were they were the Alabama pretty much of that era. They they Florida State was. Uh, the powerhouse on the block and they were just really had it going great down there. So I think it will be a similar deal to that. Yeah, probably nothing much changes, but the weather down there, I assume they'll keep the train rolling on time at Alabama. There's too much money at stake to have some Yahoo takeover. You know, that's why, that's why Nick and Miss Terry will probably choose such a person. Speaking of stepping down, you like that segue? I do segues now. Speaking of stepping down, Vince McMahon stepping down as CEO after it came to light that he paid a woman with whom he was having an affair $3 million to keep it quiet. Shout out to Will at Game On Podcast. I just listened to his eight-minute synopsis on this thing, and I got everything I needed. It doesn't seem like any consequences are actually happening here. He's retaining his role in creative and whatever. And he appeared on SmackDown Friday night, so it seems like this is just a lot of words. I also have to assume that a multi-million dollar payout to a woman to keep something quiet isn't headline news at WWE. I think that's probably common practice. If you think of, you know, the last 20 years, if you ranked all the scandals, this is what, 400th place? I don't know. I don't watch a lot of wrestling. Well, the, the organization is set up pretty interesting in itself if you do look at the hierarchy that is the wwe and it's pretty much the mcmahon family runs that thing from top to bottom and it's been that way for the last oh i don't know 50 years because he got it let's not forget by buying it from his old man he bought the company from his old man so it's not it's not anything new um and He's he's going to step down while they conduct an investigation, and lo and behold, the person that steps in to take his spot, his daughter. I mean, uh, you know, so and it it just strikes me as one of those deals that'll probably be a 
hey, we looked into this and found that we did nothing wrong. Are you saying <laughs> and, that uh, the, Mc, the McMahons are going to invest the McMahons and find out that the McMahons are not at fault? <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty much. I mean, that, that, that's the way that, that deal seems to look from the outside looking in. I don't, I would really, I, I'll have to tune into Will's podcast there because I'd, I'd like to know a little like his take on it, but you know, it's it, that, that deal was just is a wrestling storyline in itself. Thank you everyone for listening. Thank you boys for showing up. Thank you, Chris, for joining us, telling us about uh, parenting, the SEC and everything in between. That was awesome. There are more and more of you listening all the time. Honestly, it feels great. I don't know why people say stuff like this is humbling. I feel fucking awesome about it. Anyway, if you haven't already, please consider giving us a five-star review on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, whatever platform you're getting us on. Everything is interaction-based. That's how you climb the charts and get noticed. I won't bore you with the details, but your reviews are what keep us high up on the list when people search, quote, sports podcasts. Believe it or not, there are more than a few out there. So thank you for helping us stand out. It helps a ton if you write some words in there. We're like kids. Any attention is good attention. You can say whatever you want. Hey, that host guy is incredible. I know so much more about sports than I did before. Or give us your score prediction for Bama versus A&M. Doesn't really matter what you type as long as the little algorithm bots come by tonight and see text in there. It's all positive for us. You can follow us at Patriots Pod on Twitter, Patriot Sports Now on Instagram, and Patriot Sports on Facebook. Don't forget to check out our golf podcast, Plus Money Golf, and follow those guys over at PSR Golf on the Twitter. You can find Chris on Twitter and Instagram at PSR Producer. You can find me on both of those at PSR Host Guy. John is too cool for social media and Coach is too set in his ways to learn a platform other than Facebook. So that just is what it is. Chris, do you want to give out your Twitter? Tell us where the people can find you. I think you're Chris McMinn 45. I'm not sure. I think I'm I think I might be right. Yeah, Chris McMinn 45. All right. Let's go enjoy the day, boys. Until next time, be good to each other. Chris, kick that outro music. You've been listening to Patriot Sports Radio. If you're sick of all the national talking heads and biases of mainstream sports media, like we are, this show is for you. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. For more content and merch, hit up www.patriotsportsnow.com. Find us on Twitter at Patriots Pod, on Instagram and Facebook at Patriots Sports Now, and on Getter, Rumble, and YouTube at Patriots Sports. Take care, and we'll see you next time.